Hello and welcome to Nashville United Methodist Church's online services. This is our podcasted service for the 30th of January 2022. This week we're continuing in our series on the book of James. We are still in chapter 3 and we'll be beginning the section with verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have selfish envy and ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. The word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. So, it really shouldn't be a surprise to any of us that there's a difference between God's wisdom and earthly wisdom. I'm sure we've all come across one of those times when our faith asks us to do something that seemed to run contrary to the expectations of the world. See, even getting up to come to church on one of our two days off seems strange to those who aren't believers. This topic is difficult because it asks us to scrutinize not only our actions, but our thoughts, presuppositions and priorities that may lay behind them. I want to ask you right now to be honest with yourself, not hiding, even when the thoughts behind your actions aren't flattering. Seeing those things clearly is the first step toward trading our sinful earthly wisdom for God's perfect wisdom. Let's take, for example, a pretty common occurrence. You're walking down the street and a poor person asks you for money, saying they're hungry, they need money for food. For the sake of today's sermon, let's not worry about whether you actually give them the money or not. Instead, let's take a moment to consider the thoughts that run through our head as they ask for money. Specifically, whether you humor those thoughts, accept those thoughts, or challenge those thoughts. Do you question whether you have the money on you? Are you like me and you just don't carry cash on you very often? Do you question whether you can afford to help them? Did a big bill just come in? Are you frustrated because you're busy and this was an unwanted interruption in your day? Do you question whether he'll actually use the money for food? See, these thoughts themselves aren't inherently bad. We can't always control the first thoughts that enter our minds. Negative past experiences, ingrained fears, things we've learned from the media, our own insecurities, these can all cause things to jump unbidden into our mind. What we do have a choice over, however, is how we react to those thoughts. See, with each thought, we can choose to accept it as truth, humor it with just enough to color our thinking or challenge it. 
by mentally arguing against it. See, if sin is a heart issue, this is about far more than whether we actually give the money to the person asking for it. It is indicative of the health of our soul. I think this is what James was getting at in these past few verses. It's important for us to remember that we are moving linearly through the book of James. So this section directly follows last week's section on the taming of the tongue. It's also important to note that these sections, chapter breaks, verse numbers, none of that existed in the original text. The format of this text was a sermon and it all flowed together. All of this is to say that today's section is not intended to be separate from last week's section. It's easy enough to see the connection between the two when we try. See, it's necessary to tame the tongue, but it's not quite enough. Because the words we use, the words that actually come out of our mouth, are informed by the wisdom we allow to rule our thoughts. It's likely that James meant something a little different when this was written. We must keep in mind that when the book of James was written, Jerusalem was under Roman occupation. It was ruled by a council of Jewish leaders, but those Jewish leaders were pretty well under the thumb of Rome. So the world of these early believers was surrounded in different ways of thinking. So a first century Christian, most of them growing up Jewish, had to contend with the Jewish worldview that surrounded them, the Christian worldview that they had just taken on, and the Roman worldview that was the official rule of the land. When faced with a decision, they would have to choose which voice to listen to. In a way, we're faced with the same thing. If we return to the example of the poor person asking for money, we can see the competing voices. Our American capitalist culture is defined by rugged individualism and free market capitalism, the voice that would likely question how the person got into that situation comes from there. See, that voice would tell us that individuals should be able to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps, that there's enough opportunity for everyone so they'll, ask, so they'll want to know how that person will get out. How that person's going to make their way if people just keep helping them. Often this will neglect or sideline an immediate need. People can't get into a better situation if they're starving. If they don't have clothing to go into a job interview with. If they're freezing to death. This voice would also ask why we should give our hard-earned money to someone else. Add to that this Western opportunity culture. It's based on a fundamental lie that we all start with the same opportunities. This voice would condemn a person for becoming poor. They often would ascribe it to some personal failing like drugs or alcohol while ignoring the ways in which someone can do everything right and still fail. Sudden layoffs. A job disappearing because of a pandemic. Healthcare difficulties. The Christian voice, however, is small and quiet. 
It asks us to consider that a person is worthy of help regardless of any precondition. It asks us to love without wondering if they're worthy. The trick that James saw is that we have to choose to listen to God's wisdom. Like God's voice, this wisdom is not going to drown out the wisdom of our culture or the voice of our own selfishness. It is a voice that must be sought out and chosen. But it is a voice that comes with that perfect wisdom. That wisdom that may confuse the world but will never lead you wrong. See, returning to our example, I'm reminded of a parable that was shared with me by a Sufi friend. It begins similar to our example. A man and his son are walking down the street and they're asked by a poor person if they had money for food. The father opens his wallet and he doesn't give him a dollar. He doesn't give him five dollars. He doesn't even give him ten dollars, but he pulls out a twenty dollar bill, hands it to him and says, have a blessed day. As they walk away, the son looks at his father with confusion. Why did you give him so much? Aren't you afraid he'll spend it on alcohol or something? The father replies, what he spends it on is between him and God. I see a need. And whether I do what I can to help that need is between me and God. This to me is an example of God's wisdom. It isn't our job to ascertain if a need is real. It isn't our job to judge someone's life or to police the behavior of others according to the Bible. That is between them and God. Even accountability, a word that we love to throw around in the Christian church, can only exist within the confines of an established and mutual relationship. You cannot force accountability on someone who does not want it with you. Our job as Christians, the only part between us and God, is loving one another. The other person's circumstances, sin habits, motivations, shouldn't even play a role in our internal calculations. If our only job is to love. So how is it with your soul today? I know all of us can do a better job listening for that quiet wisdom of God. But what do you find yourself falling into when faced with a decision? What wisdom comes to your mind? Which one tries to tempt you away from listening to God? If we can learn to recognize what voice that is, it'll help us to stop and listen for God's voice. When we know that voice, the one that our enemy uses to get us to ignore God, we can listen instead for the one that has a more perfect wisdom. And that, my friends, is how we make a more just and merciful world. Let us pray. God, we lift up to you our lives and our choices. Help us to see our own presuppositions, our own biases, those voices in our head that tell us not to do as you would have us do, help us to recognize them so we can choose not to listen. 
so we can listen to you instead, so that we can experience that love that you have promised us. Be with us as we struggle through this. In your name we pray. Amen.